Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Cinematics, a new week of Cinematics. Great movies, interesting films. I well, I don't know if they're great movies, but this is episode 209 of Cinematics. My better Bruce Perky, when I mention great movies, are there great movies in the offing for this episode? There are, at least in one of the segments, for sure. In one of the segments, Eric Holmes, great movies I mentioned. Do you agree with Bruce? There might be a great movie to be had in this episode or or not? What do you think? Looking at our notes of the movies we're covering, possibly? Yes. Uh, Well, there's a bunch of great ones, a little bit of something. There's one flat out great one that I already talked about last week that hopefully we'll talk about again this week. We got some good ones. Got some really, really good ones. Eric, how has the last week been for you as far as interviews? Who have you interviewed the last week? I've interviewed zero, so let's hear what you've been doing. Finding Her Beat, I interviewed the directors and a couple of subjects for a a documentary coming out soon called Finding Her Beat that was really good. I will be doing an interview tomorrow with, I believe it's the director of the re-education of Molly Singer. Briefly touch on that today. That's coming out uh, this weekend, actually. And got a couple more in the fire that I haven't got confirmed yet. And we'll talk about those when they come up. Oh, and we'll be uh, recording a playthrough for that film ball game that I made. So that, that'll that be we'll, – we'll talk more about that next week once uh, we have things recorded. But that'll be fun too. Eric Holmes has been hard at work working on the Film Vault board game, which the Film Vault, I'm sure a lot of you who listen to our podcast know, is a podcast hosted by – our buddy Anderson Cowan and Brian Bishop. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't think Bruce and I are going to make that Tuesday date, but I think there's going to be enough film vaulters, including Mitch Burns, who will make that board game event. So I'm sure, Eric, you're going to leave me. Uh, we'll we'll uh, announce it when here on our Cinematics Universe, when that game will take place. So also join our Cinematics Facebook group to know the d- daily in and ins and outs of Bruce, my life, and Eric's life. We have daily movie recommendations, and there's various members like the aforementioned Mitch Burns from the Hollywood Persona and the Film Vaulters. There's Joseph Bridges, Chad Wilfong, William Lindis, I believe. Bruce, William Lindis from Movie Bears Podcast. He was currently on a film festival run right now. What What is he doing? What is What is what? Yeah, what he's, he's running down every movie he watches at Fantastic Fest, and I think he's up to like Oh man, 14, 15, 16 movies. He watches like four to five movies a day for like <gasps> I can't do that. Eight days in a row or something. No way. But Wait he sees this. all the movies that we want to see probably next year. So it's like he's on it. I haven't mentioned this and I, a lot of props to William Lindis. And I don't think I've specifically expressed this to him. He's a great reviewer. He is mm-hmm. very clear in his approach. He has a full-time job. I think if he had a full-time job as just as a movie reviewer, I would read his movie review site from just a, what is it? What is that thing from stem to stern or how do you say it? Just from page one to the end. I, I really appreciate him as a movie reviewer, not just because he has purchased a couple of Eric Holmes's, what, what is it? Five-star banger shirts. What has he purchased? Oh, no, it's the uh, cinema dick shirt, the Miami Vice looking one. Family show. Yeah. What, what is it? What did you say one more time? Uh, the, the the Cinema Richards. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Cinema Dicks. It's an explicit show. But look, Eric is, again, along with doing the, the Film Vault board game, he's also been working on the merch site. So if you want to support us here on Cinematics, go to findyourfilmpodcast.com, which has mainly merch from Cinematics, a couple of shirts from Find Your Film as well, our sister podcast, which Eric and I, and occasionally Bruce will do, we do, we leave our interviews there on our, that's the interview arm of Cinematics. Speaking of which, regarding support, we already have a $5 a month catch-all for our Patreon, we made a little bit of a, a change. For this month, for our bonus episode, we covered Dark City and Buffalo 66. And these were very, it was an interesting conversation. It's about an hour, like oh, 57 minute bonus that's available for our Patreon members. Bruce, what did you think of the creative change where we actually do a mini review? We, we do a mini review of Dark City and Buffalo 66, but the majority of it is for spoiler discussions. Do you think it went well, the, the Patreon app? I think it went well. I don't think it, it didn't feel extremely different to me, except that we just got to dive in a little more on some of the things that would be spoilers usually. So I think that I always like that. And I think that 
especially with the Patreon stuff, since we're using, we're picking them from previous years, they're going to be more apt to be movies people have seen, or maybe movies people have meant to see. So the fact of people coming in there to to listen to us talk about it after they've already seen it makes spoilers uh, perfect fodder for the discussion. Being in perfect fodder, we also recently uploaded on our Patreon this week a special episode for our Patreon member, Kristen. She's been a member for the last couple of years, and we gave her a bonus episode. Christian Petzold, his films, and we covered Phoenix, Undine, Transit. And for Patreon members who have been part of our cinematic community for six months and on, which is probably most of our Patreon members right now, they can, you can actually request us to do an extra episode, whether it's just you want us to review a movie, we'll review it. Or if you want to spotlight us to spotlight a filmmaker, like maybe William Friedkin or Anderson's favorite filmmaker, Steven Spielberg, we'll do that too. So we'll, right? I, I put the drum roll with the little rim shot with the Steven Spielberg. Sorry, Anderson. Yeah, sorry, Anderson. Anderson Is that in public like. domain, that rim yeah. shot? <laughs> it's public domain, just like all of Steven Spielberg's movies, like including Bridge of Spies and the LFG. Just kidding. I love Spielberg. Anderson, I, I think Anderson still loves Spielberg. But yeah, Patreon members, six months and over, you you will get a bonus episode that we will make for you if you want to request it. So, Patreon members, if you're part of our, if you're already part of our universe, hit me, Eric, and Bruce up, and we'll do a special episode for you. Hopefully, you'll give us some good movies or maybe a good director to spotlight, and we'll do something really cool. I thought Christian Petzold is a really cool filmmaker, and we had a really good discussion. Check it out; it's very very well done. And Eric, couple years, in, a couple of weeks into. At watching transit do you still know what it's what it's about or is does that movie still confuse you so the only thing that sticks with me in transit is when he's in that uh railroad car something happens in the railroad car but that that whole scene and then everything else kind of disappeared a little bit okay okay a little bit to say yeah transit's a very confusing movie christian petzold is not a confusing director he's a very interesting filmmaker but now let's get to our featured reviews Apple TV Plus streaming starting Friday, September 19th. As we speak right now, it is playing in select theaters, but most of everyone will get to see it Friday, September 19th on Apple TV Plus. That is Flora and Son. Young Max, one more offense and you'll be behind bars. Flora, you're his mother. Find him something to do. What are you doing right now? You don't want to know. You are a great mother. Am I? Happy birthday. What's that? It's yours. Don't want to play. Since when am I a guitarist? <clears throat> I can't go on like this, living in a shoebox with a kid who hates me. I can't wait for the day I don't have to be here. Go on! Go back to your dad! I might learn the guitar myself. That's just too funny. It takes years of practice, commitment. Are you really going to talk to me about commitment? We're ready to teach you how to shred the knob on guitar. So, you want to learn the guitar? This is a gift you can take to your grave. What's your problem? I didn't know I had a problem. You're teaching guitar online, love. What are you hoping to get out of this? I thought this guitar might make me something I'm cool. I'll be back in an hour! I don't care. How annoying is it? Very annoying. What is that? Shh. Jesus Christ, it's like a club in here! Turn it down a second! Was that yours? How did you make that? It sounded epic. Come on, girl. Let's get in trouble. Shaking off straight to James Bond from Dublin. We got something real. Why don't you ask her out? Can I try that on? It's too big. That's the look. Yeah, for turtles. She's totally out of my league. Let's write a song. Just to hear your passion. Express yourself. She hated it. Yo, just get out of my way, woman. Gladly. Seventeen with a screaming child on me, like this can't be my story. But without him, I have nothing. We're living a How come the way things are are never enough for you? They never were. Playing the guitar—it's so sexy. Okay. Is that why you took it off? Well, let's focus on you. Are you coming on to me? It's set in Dublin, in a section of Dublin, where Flora, played by Eve Hewson, well, she's Flora. She's a hardworking single mother. 
And they, she lives in a very tight, cramped apartment with her son. Son's maybe about 13 or 14. He is a, really a big troublemaker. And the way they she tries to get him out of trouble is, well, it, it's weird because he, if he, he can be sent to juvie, if he has a couple more infractions, he's just a troubled kid. And he thinks he steals, he's a delinquent, but he also has a good heart. And the mother, she Flora is a little bit of a little bit self-serving. She is a very young person. We see her at the beginning. She's uh, dancing at a club and she has a one-night stand. And you think it's actually a flashback because when she was younger, nope, it's her right now. She's a single mother who is trying to enjoy her life and feels like her life has been wild away, but uh, wasted away. The way she actually tries to get on board and find some direction is to l- get guitar lessons from this person played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt via zoom calls or conference calls and she found him on youtube and that's the the whole premise she how she learns how to play guitar thanks to this tutor played by joseph gordon levitt jack rayner who you might have known from sing street directed by john carney he was so great in sing street as the older brother he plays the uh, ex-lover of flora in this movie and the father to their son so that is a premise it's again it's a john carney film so if you've seen carney's once if you've seen Sing Street, Begin Again, you kind of know where this movie's going. You're going to know, A, it's going to have a ton of music. B, there's going to be a huge character arc that affects or inciting incidents and a great development of characters, which I found, it was. this is a John Carney film. This is exactly, it's like a hamburger or a cheeseburger. You know, at your favorite cheeseburger joint, you know what you're going to get. Very predictable, but it's still a cheeseburger and you liked it. I really dug Flora and Son. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on this movie? Are you a John Carney fan as well? So I've seen bits of once, haven't seen Sing Street. This one I liked a lot, like right away, Flora. I mean, she's a hard worker, not so much, you know, maybe at work, but maybe not so much at home as far as being a mom. She's kind of a bad mom. But, you know, we just got done talking about Buffalo 66 for the Patreon thing. This is kind of uh, right away, you know, do you know what uh, kind of person Flora is and not probably not the best person, but I really like the character work a lot in this. And like, right from the jump, I was like really invested. It's not quite the right word. I, I was curious to see how these characters all interact with each other. And when they did, I thought it was mostly funny. I think where this movie fell off for me was the, like the very, very end, like maybe the last, 15, 20 minutes kind of petered out a bit because I thought like up until then it was like really strong with the character stuff. I was even buying the, uh, I don't know, is it a spoiler to say that there's a uh, relationship budding or is that? Mm, I don't think kinda, so. Okay. I mean, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But that the relationship that was kind of going on, I was digging that. I loved how kind of broken the family was and how it kind of started coming together through through music that that worked really well i like the music in the movie for the most part but it, it was just that that last like 15 20 minutes it, like normally a movie like this start like the first 20 minutes is like all right let's get through this so we can start the movie already this was kind of the opposite like right off the bat i was in love with it and then like the last 20 minutes is like all right probably should have probably should have cut this off 20 minutes ago but overall definitely i recommend bruce yeah for me this is a light recommend i I enjoyed it, but um, like Sing Street for me hits a lot harder. I felt like it was a lot more genuine and deep. I feel like this one's a very light version of what he generally does. And I think one of the big misses for me in this movie, and and I I still recommend it, but the big miss for me is the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character and that whole plot device. I, I don't think it was necessary other than his name will probably sell this movie more than anyone else in the movie. And I honestly thought everyone else in the movie was much more impactful and real feeling like he just was just literally stuck into the story and i understand why but it also felt a little covety i just didn't need him i didn't need him at all i i liked her a lot and once again eve Hewson, uh she's awesome in this tv series just came out like a year or so ago called um, bad sisters that's a great great show oh, you, you saw the whole more, thing more of her yeah bad sisters is fantastic uh, and she's great in this movie i think her, her flora and son right that is what this movie is and i feel like they just i have a sneaking suspicion that that was the movie the movie without joseph gordon levitt probably was the original version of this movie and it probably existed and it existed with her trying to figure out how to play music without this whole relationship thing. I could be wrong. 
because I know he has those kind of musical relationship things in all of his movies, a lot of his movies, but it just felt like the magic was when this kind of dysfunctional, you know, scrambling to try to get this, her son to find a meaning and to not go down a bad path, but in a light way. And I really liked their relationship and kind of the way they played off each other and how she is kind of a mess and he's kind of a mess, but together they're kind of working that out. But overall, I enjoyed it. The last thing I would say is if you kind of like the feel of this movie, but you're kind of like me and this is just kind of too light and too airy and kind of fluffy and nothing to it. Wild Rose is the analog for this movie that you should be watching. Wild Rose with Jesse Buckley is fan freaking tastic and follows down a very similar road, but much better done. <laughs> That's much I better done. I have not seen Wild Rose yet. And I, I love Jesse Buckley from, from what it's some movie beast or something that he was in years Anyone ago. Anyone who's seen Jesse Buckley and anything Man. else will see Wild Rose and they'll be like, holy shit, I did not know that she had this side to her yeah. and you will be blown away. Look, to your point, Bruce, Eve Houston is fantastic. I have not seen Bad Sisters, okay? I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have seen Bad Sisters. So this was my, of course, she's the daughter of Bono from U2. But I have not really seen her in a lot. And I feel like this is sort of a, a big role for her. Meaning, I think people who don't know her from Bad Sisters or maybe for previous work will really say, I, I think this is a very important performance for Eve Houston. She's so good as Flora. And I want to see, kind of looks a little bit like Emily Blunt too, a little bit they, like they're related. She's very, very good in this movie. And I think she's she is the best part of this film. I think to both of your points, this movie, it I don't know how long it runs, but there's so many different elements that I think maybe the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character might be a little bit, I'm not underdeveloped, but there's so many different elements that you can't really fit everything into this narrative. And by the end of the movie, you just feel like certain parts of the narrative, I felt certain parts of the narrative weren't really well served. It could have been a two hour movie, but then that's a whole different kind of story. But so it's sort of, it's exactly a light film. And I took it that way. I thought Gordon Levitt was fine in this movie. I don't think he was completely shoehorned. Uh, maybe it's just a bias because he's from Topanga Canyon, his character. And that's my, my neighborhood here. I, I'm about 10 minutes away from Topanga Canyon. And I know those kind of people. And he's sort of that type of person. But I can see what you're saying, Bruce. But Florence Sun for me was a very entertaining resident watch. My only complaint, my big complaint, though, is there is this very important moment regarding a song and how it affects Flora. And if you have seen a certain movie from the last couple of years, that song is the one that's chosen for this movie. And I'm thinking, I get it, why they chose this important song for Florence Son. But if you've seen that other movie, I don't know, the power of that moment might have been dimmed. I don't know, Bruce, if you know what song I'm talking about. But yeah, that was my little mini complaint. But again, it's a mini complaint. My rating for Florence Son, four stars. Eric, your rating. This one is probably three and a half. I think if they had a stronger ending, like... A I forget what you guys think of it. I, I love Dream in the Wild, and I mm. I loved how the ending just really resonated, and it kind of fit with the tone of the movie. I think if they would have kind of stuck with the tone and didn't get too, because they they went a little too saccharine towards in, and I think that's what threw me off. If the ending of this was stronger, could have easily been a four and a half five star movie for it. As it is, probably three and a half. Bruce, for me, it's three and a half as well. But if if I'm sitting and having a night with like my parents, this might be a five star because this is a great one to show your parents. It's the, Hey, let's all watch this movie together. You'll have a great time. Yeah. It's a safe choice for, for the family. Yes. Except there is this one moment in this movie that I don't know if you, if you're going to watch it with kids, there is a very sexually explicit piece of dialogue, which I think works and it's funny, but that's sort of an adult conversation. I don't know if you guys remember that line. That's uh, wow. It's pretty, it's pretty graphic. But anyways, you have to you have to narrow that down. I can think of it a couple of times. Yeah, the, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, she was she was pretty promiscuous and out about it. So right, yes, okay. Anyways, three and a half stars for Eric Holmes, three and a half for Bruce, and both recommend. I give it four stars, and that is Florence on Friday, September twenty ninth. Also available in theaters. Actually available on VOD and playing in theaters on Friday. September 29th is a horror thriller, or maybe it's a thriller. I'll let Eric Holmes talk about it because he, I think he interviewed Leroy Kunz, Kunz, Kunz and crew Ennis, maybe for this uh, movie called Deliver. Yeah. Yes. Deliver. Us. Yeah. Lee, Lee Kunz and crew Ennis. Okay. 
Lee Coons and Crew Ennis, filmmakers behind Deliver Us. And Lee Coons is also the one of the stars of the film. It centers on a nun in a remote convent claims immaculate confession. Um, conception one of the kids that she is going to conceive give birth to is supposedly the antichrist the other child is the messiah so what happens is the vatican sends a team of priests to investigate the situation there's a cardinal played by alexander sadig and also a priest played by the aforementioned lee Kuntz. and when they try to investigate the situation a lot of violence supernatural occurrences possibly occur that is the premise of Deliver Us. Eric, what, can I, what else can you say about the movie and your thoughts on this film? Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much it. You have a nun that's uh, she's pregnant with the Antichrist and the Christ. And I forget the guy's name. He's kind of tasked to go find the babies and kill the correct one. I think throughout the, the movie, there's also kind of a question of make sure you get the right one. <laughs> There's two babies, they're twins. I know one of them we got to kill, but uh got to make sure we have the right one. There's a lot of uh questions about faith in this. And to, like I, I wrote that, uh wrote a script uh, that anyone listening hasn't read it, but kind of delve into that, the whole uh, uh Abraham and Isaac thing. Why, why does God want us to kill a child? This doesn't make any sense. So they kind of play with that, that whole idea in this, which I really appreciated. And talking with the directors they're both very religious which i found kind of surprising because this movie kind of kind of questions uh religion looks at it in a really analytical and questioning way which you don't normally get from people who are religious you usually get that with godless cynics like myself but uh yeah for the most part i liked it it also has some Benedetta vibes. This continues the non-sploitation genre that seems to have uh, picked up in the last couple of years. Not a movie for everyone. There's, you know, a couple nitpicks here and there, but overall, pretty decent thriller, I thought. I really love the production design of this movie, the cinematography, the locations, the acting was fine, the visual compositions. It is a very gorgeous movie to look at. High-end production. I don't know how much they had for this movie, but a lot of bang for their buck. So... On a production level scale and as a story, I found it to be really interesting. Just a really gory part is at the beginning, there is some beheading in the film and what is it, skinning because of a map on, a tattooed map on people's backs. That's really gross in the beginning, but the rest of the movie isn't as graphic, surprisingly so. There are some really interesting elements behind Deliver Us. The only knock against this movie is it's worth watching. I'm a Catholic. It's worth watching just on the production end as a story end, but it didn't completely grab me at the end, didn't fully have me locked in. The ending is supposed to actually really uh, knock, you, knock you over. I liked the setting of the ending because I, I just on the eye level, the eye test, it worked. But as far as the heart test for me, it just didn't completely knock it out of the park. But I would still recommend this. Give this Deliver Us a mild recommend, recommendation Three stars for me for Deliver Us. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I, I like this movie a bit more than you did. I'll give it four stars. The ending maybe could have uh, drove the point home a little more, but I, I kind of like where the movie was going, and I like the questions they asked at the end. And yeah, I, and, and as far as like the when I was talking with the directors, you know, the I mean, the the main crux of this is will you kill baby Hitler? And maybe the answer is that. Please wait until teenage Hitler because the babies haven't done anything yet. It, it's a interesting question to uh, ponder. Deliver us Friday in theaters and on VOD. Now we're back to we're doing our weekly recommendations. Eric, you covered Rebel. You talked about the plot line behind Rebel. Bruce, why don't you tell listeners why Rebel now currently in select theaters maybe is worth a watch? I had watched about 35 maybe minutes of it, 40 minutes of it when we talked about it last week and Eric recommended it. And I, I knew I was going to watch the rest of it after watching the beginning of it. And I say, holy moly, this is a fantastic movie. I'm really worried this movie is just going to get lost and buried. And this movie is, I mean, Eric is, is going to attest to it, I'm sure as well. It's just got about everything you want in a movie. I mean, it's got, <laughs> it's got musical elements, which is really interesting and really uh, kind of daring in this very, very heavy movie. And it works. I think it works at least. And just as for this could be a sprawling epic, it could be boring, it could be long, it could be tedious. This movie just sings throughout with just characters you care about from the older brother, which I'm going to see if I get these wrong, right? 
The older brother is Kamal, uh, played by Abu Bakar uh, Bensahi, Bensahi. And just to see him at the beginning and how he gets kind of drawn into ISIS and watching that slow progression. And, and it's, this is a very interesting movie. Okay. I Eric is going to help me here, but how you got a person, a main character, well, one of two main characters, I guess you'd say that gets drawn into ISIS and yet you still root for him is quite a trick. And, and part of it is by showing how so many people that ended up in there, there were true believers and there was other people that were really not true believers. And they kind of just got drawn into the whirlpool of that. And I would say what even there's two things that kick this over the top, the parallel story of his little brother back in England, idolizing his older brother and being basically groomed to be a young ISIS member. That's the whole goal of it. Following that story, the heartbreaking arc of that story, and then following the story of the bride that Kamal gets and Nor. how women, yeah, Nor, and how women are brought into that world and how they are treated and how he sees them treated, Kamal sees them treated. This movie is, man, it is a gut punch. And it's hard to say because you describe it as this gut punch, dark movie, right? And people are going to be like, oh, this sounds like a total bummer. And there are bummer elements to it, but it's also exhilarating filmmaking. The characters, you just... There's a there's a turn that the mother takes in this movie that I didn't expect that just blew me away as well. There are so many character moments and exciting and tense and just you're just on the edge of your seat kind of moments in this movie. On top of this, just the drama, I cannot recommend this movie enough. And it hopefully will get fa- an audience. It's it's fantastic. So Bruce, I tried. I think I tried explain this last week of uh, with the Noor when yeah. uh, they yep. they want to buy her from Kamal. Yes, and it goes to that scene which would normally be the rape scene in the movie. Yep, but instead it's like an interpretive dance number. What? Why does that work? Like I'm I'm watching it going like this is horrifying to watch, but there it's not. A, it, it, I think it's just horrifying in my head because I know that the scene this usually is yep. in a movie, but instead of doing that, they did an interpretive dance like music Which, video thing. On paper, sounds and paper and us describing it sounds ridiculous. It is not yeah. ridiculous. And part of it, I think, is the way they really set up. They really, really set up very well in this movie the insidious way that the people in power work. They show the people in power with his little brother and how they just slowly, like we talk about cook the frog, they cook the frog in a sense. And the same sort of thing happens with his wife. You know, he's got this wife, which they essentially just buy on a market. You know, he surprisingly is kind to her and and, and hates that she's in this situation and is trying to do good things. And then you know that the way they deal with things all of a sudden when there's this Hey, we'd like to buy her for a night. And he's like, well, that's not, that's against the law. That's against our holy law. And they're like, yeah, you know, but we can buy her for a night. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, that's the way these people work. And oh my gosh. I, I, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And there are three musical dance numbers and I love them all in different ways. I think there's a final one that's fantastic. The, the, The ending of this movie also is just your jaw will be on the floor. Yeah, your jaw will be on the floor. Okay, Bruce, what is your rating on Rebel? Eric gave it five stars last week. Easily five stars. And I said leaning towards classic. I think this is a movie that we given some time, people are going to discover, and I think it's going to get great acclaim. Okay, Rebel. I definitely, definitely need to see this. I think I'm going to actually, I have the link. I think I'm going to check it out, hopefully in the next couple of days. Any final thoughts on Rebel before we get into Uncharitable? Eric, final closure? Uh, everything Bruce said, it's five-star movie go watch it and that oh man that ending holy crap like i I still have not found my socks they got knocked so far off my body but can we agree the the weird thing this thing movie does we talk about the the musical dance stuff all that but the weird thing this does is this is somehow action-packed yeah and tense but it's also character driven and those two things don't work together very well at all and this movie is at heart a dramatic story but it's also there is this tense movie, right? Yeah. 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 I agree on all the points. <laughs> Anyways, that's a high recommendation, highest of all recommendations from Bruce and Eric for Rebel. Now we are, are on for a documentary that comes out in LA Theater September 29th. It's called Uncharitable. It's directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal. You might know him as the father of Jake and 
Maggie Gyllenhaal, those actors, there's wonderful actors. And I think Maggie's a director as well. I love Stephen Gyllenhaal as a director because I remember back in the day, I loved Losing Isaiah, this movie called Waterland, Paris Trout, which stars Ed Harris and Dennis Hopper, great film, Barbara Hershey. Love him as a filmmaker, wanted to see him, how this documentary worked out. And this documentary, it centers, it's based on the book Uncharitable by Dan Pallotta. And Dan Pallotta, the movie is basically centers on a little bit on, on his life and on how he did all these ride walks. I think what Bruce, the, the AIDS walk and a lot of, right. a lot of these different walks. He had his company and it's about how his company, why his company ultimately either failed in the, in the early aughts or the, why the business model, model didn't work for him. And then his whole thesis is the problem with nonprofit organizations is they need to actually scale up. And the only way you can scale up is to pay the people who are working for nonprofit organizations. You need to t- spend top dollar for your P&A, your product and advertising budget. You need to increase that. And a lot of people like average Joes and Sally's were probably wondering, why do these people, these CEOs of these nonprofits and these executives get paid so much money? Well, they can't, maybe they get paid so much money because these are the kind of commensurate rates that for-profit organizations get. So the only way to scale up these nonprofits is to pay some of these execs or, or workers almost as much as for-profit organizations. So you see this thesis not through, not just through Dan Pelota's eyes. He also had a very famous TED talk regarding this, the same subject, and that is the basis for Uncharitable along with his book. There's also people like Edward Norton, actor Edward Norton. He's the founder of this corporation called this uh, nonprofit called CrowdRise. There is also the former CEO of the Wounded Warrior Project. There are different, also the one of the creators of the uh, what the the Coney Project from 2012, which didn't work so well. So there's some really interesting interviews scattered. I think was his name Jason Russell. Really interesting interviews, talking head stuff. But for me, as a person who has very little experience with any kind of connection to nonprofits or why should I spend my money on these nonprofits? It actually flipped a light on for me. So it was a very value added and educational experience. So I'm coming into that through those eyes. Where are you coming regarding your eyes with Uncharitable, Bruce? Well, I, I, I kind of with two lenses, I guess. One is there's the subject matter, which is really interesting and important and, and really, like you said, illuminates the idea of how nonprofits are kind of forced to work and what kind of, they're kind of, there's kind of a baked in failure to them because everyone expects them to work in a certain way, which doesn't work. It's just not economically feasible to be a successful nonprofit the way they're set up now and how they can work. And then that's one thing. So that's an important and interesting conversation. And it gives you a ton of information and it really lays it out. To me, it lays it out a lot like um, an inconvenient Truth isn't that what it was? The one about yeah. uh, global warming. It's similar to that, right? It's it's talking as far as explaining a complicated issue in a way that you maybe hadn't considered it before. The other part is how, what? How is it as a documentary? Well, as a documentary, it's kind of a TED talk. It's kind of a illustrated TED talk. So as that part, it's not it's not hugely exhilarating as a documentary, but it it does its job. But the third thing, and the thing that I kind of wish it did is it doesn't ask another big question. And that is, why are we in a society that thinks all of these things need to get handled by nonprofits? Like, why are we not in a society that thinks these things need to be handled? Like, why is it not our tax dollars? Why isn't it the government? Why aren't we doing this as a society? Because the big problem with nonprofits they don't discuss in this, which is, this is just my own personal interest, is that the nonprofits basically are a la carte helping the world. Like, we get to decide what we who we help. Oh, we like we like the Wounded Warrior Project because we like wounded warriors being helped out, even though we should help them already, right? Like right. we send them to war, our taxes send them to war, our taxes pay for all the bombs and all this stuff. Why do we have to have a Wounded Warrior Project to help them? Because we're not helping them afterwards. So everything's like that, right? So this one over here doesn't get help because they're not popular. This one here doesn't help. Or does that mean they're not all need? They all need, all these groups need people to care. And the whole point is you can make the nonprofits work, but wouldn't it make more sense to just say like, you pay money into the system and the system does these, oh, is it communism? Whatever. Anyway, I'll get on my little soapbox there, but I think that would have been really interesting to go in that route too. Like, why do we have to have nonprofits and is nonprofits in general the best approach? I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I get you on that. Yeah. So for me, 
the documentary is a four-star documentary because even though I agree with your points, it feels like a TED Talk. I, I really love learning about the CEO behind the Clean Water Organization and the Wounded Warrior yep. Project. Loved hearing all – it's talking head stuff, but I love YWCA, just all those different facets. So I think sometimes the talking head stuff does work. It worked for me for Uncharitable. My rating for it would be four stars. What is your rating, Bruce? Um, I'm going to go three and a half. And once again, I think it's, this is like, we've had, we have a whole bunch of these kind of documentaries, right? Where it's like the people that really need to hear it probably will never watch it and they won't listen. And that's the tough thing with these documentaries, the people that need to understand the, cause they show all the news programs that are basically attacking and destroying these nonprofits. They're never going to, they're never going to watch this documentary like, and they're never going to listen to it. You're like a canary redux. So yeah. <laughs> regarding this. Okay. So that is uncharitable again in select Los Angeles, Los Angeles theaters on Friday, September 29th. Very quickly. No one will save you currently on Hulu, Latin America. It is in on star plus it is available in all other territories around the world via the omnipotent Disney plus Eric and Bruce, just very quick. I'm, we know what it is. Uh, girl, she, she likes to make dolls. She has a, a really bad past, Caitlin Deaver. She she actually lives in a remote area out in the woods, beautiful woods, nice house. One night she gets visited by an alien and it's an alien invasion type of movie. That is not a spoiler. That is a premise of No One Will Save You. That is a, a great title because it's really directly speaks to that lonely girl in the house. No one's going to save her. What is that woman that young woman played by Caitlin Deaver from Booksmart and Justified. Very great acting from her. What is she going to do with these aliens? Bruce and Eric, let's uh, take away with these reviews. Um, first, you, Eric, your thoughts on No One Will Save You. Brian Duffield uh, wrote Spontaneous. Awesome. Underwater, hadn't seen it, but I will watch it tonight based on this. Love and Monsters, awesome. This one was awesome. Love this movie. But uh, I, I heard that there was some kind of push back on this i mean it just starts off like the, the the whole town hates this woman for reasons i don't quite understand you find out later on in the movie and then it was like one of the most tense like alien siege movies well one of the only alien siege movies that come to mind yeah it was just like a really intense alien I, I, um i heard him talking on film vault about it comparing it I think comparing it favorably to Signs, that like I God, I wish Signs was. I, mean, I like Signs, but I wish Signs was this good. The movie was like once the aliens came, it was just like tension and tension. They take a couple breather breaks, but for the most part, once the movie gets going, it didn't let up. And then it's on a musical number. <laughs> and uh, I also kind of want to point out, Peter Beta sent me a screenshot of one of the pages of the script of this movie. Yeah. She can't move. She can't move. She can't move. And then like, it, you know, it's just like a block of text. It just says she can't move. And then in between, it's like alien gets close. You know, I'm not going to describe it because it's a spoiler in the movie. I read that page of the screenplay. I'm like, God, I wish I wrote that. And then I watched the movie. I'm like, God, I wish I made that. This movie is really good. Really, Bruce. really good. The the movie kind of falls a bit at the very end, similar to uh, the really? other movie we talked about. But oh, wow. Okay. A, a, a little tiny bit. A little oh. tiny bit. But right. other than that, uh, yeah, the, this had me at the edge of my seat nearly the entire time. Okay, fair. Bruce, the final moments, are, uh, the final act, I had me. I, I was. Would, or do you agree with Eric that it maybe fell off a little no, bit? No, I, I think the final moments are great. And I think if you think about the – there's different – different interpretations of those final moments. But right if you think ending. about them, I think those final moments are brilliant, honestly. brilliant. No, I love this movie too. I think that, okay, when you complain about alien movies or let's say shark movies, or let's say pick a monster movie, what is the 99% common complaint? Not enough shark, not enough, not enough alien, not enough monster. This movie understands that problem out of the gate. 10 minutes in is when the alien appears. 10 minutes into this movie, the, the first alien appears. And then what else does it do? Once again, we're not going to spoil it. It gives you variation. It gives each time something's happening, something different happens. There are sh small little lulls, but not not very long. And each little lull gives you information that's going to lead into the next part. So it's just it's just basically loading the barrels for the next gunshot siege of aliens. And I love all the iterations we get. I especially, and once again, I'm not going to spoil it. I think the scene that you described in that script, where she's not able to move. That scene was freaking fantastic. And the last thing I want to say is, in this is essentially alien movie, but it's really a kind of a horror movie. It kind of plays out like a horror movie. I have never seen, and I don't, except for maybe the original Alien, I have don't think I've ever seen 
aliens in creepier moments than this movie. This movie is truly has some great, great creepy moments where you'll see things like, uh, you'll just see the shadow of the alien path. You know, okay, here's an example. Nope, which we liked. We liked Nope. But there's a scene, there's a really creepy scene in the in the stables in Nope where they think that the aliens are kind of creeping up and approaching them and it ends up being kind of a false alarm. This movie is all of that stuff, but not false alarms. <laughs> and then it has the actual attacks too. This movie is, this, how can, I don't understand what people don't like about You know this movie. what? I think it's are, a flip side. I, I mean, I, I, I get the idea that because it's a streaming thing that people say, oh, because maybe it's getting a little bit too much love because it's streaming. No, this is a movie that I feel that should have been released in theaters, just like Prey. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. That, Which is Prey is the good comparison for this. Yeah. Yes. This also has some great staging. Like, you know, she yes. looks over and then look. You know, the, the camera goes this way and then it comes there and the alien's just sitting there with its arms crossed, just staring at her. It's like, Gah. yeah, there's a bunch of those uh, movies or like but, there's a but, point but where it's, it's looking like, over the roof of her house or something. Oh, but they're like jump scares that has has to do with the filmmaking. It's not they yes. cut the camera and it's like, or, you know, some loud noise. It's just it's just like a really subtle. But you the camera directs your eye in a certain way like the 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 alien uh, like way way in the background it's sitting there staring at her the whole time but it's not until they want you to see that alien and then you see it just kind of move a little bit it was like oh god it's uh yes <laughs> and and you talk about the loud noises but there is some fantastic sound work in this movie too yeah yeah like the yeah. sounds of the aliens and the sounds of the spaceships and all this kind of weird like effects and stuff it's just really cool and then awesome. you also you also mentioned like the like with Jaws, it's like oh you can't show the you can't show the monster the whole time because it's scarier if it you know it's not as scary if you see it it's it's your mind that makes it scary. It's like well this movie proved that wrong, didn't it? Because uh, they show the aliens all over the place and they they got some really and great I, tension and scary. And I don't moments like CGI. I really kind of hate CGI a lot of times. It's, I don't care in this movie because it's done right, it's staged right, and you are still freaked out by these aliens. Yeah. And the, the freakiest part for me is the ending. Listeners, viewers, if you want to see a Cracker Jack, like you mentioned, brilliant ending. And this movie also deals with how does one process your trauma? We all make mistakes and some of them are traumatic. How do we process our trauma? And what is the state of our humanity in today? Do we want to? It, it actually raises some really interesting questions with the aforementioned musical number. I, I thought this ending was brilliant. I Five stars for me for No One Will Save You. Eric, your rating on this? I'll probably give uh, four and a half just because I toward the, the ending I didn't have a problem with, but it kind of went on a little bit long. But I mean, that's that's like minor nitpick at best. Yeah. You know, this was four and a half several days ago, but like it's just grown over the last several days for me. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see it doing that. And I, I for sure watch this one again. Bruce, your rating? I'm four and a half as well, but I just saw it today, so I might go to five as well. I really love this one. And the only thing I would say is, great little pairing. This is just added value added. Go watch the original Twilight Zone starring Agnes Moorhead called The Invaders. I know I think Greg agrees with me on this. Oh my god! The Invaders is like the, what, <laughs> early 60s, late 50s version of this in a, like a 28-minute version with Agnes Moorhead. It's so freaking good can we say i this is these are big britches but rod serling would be proud of this movie he would yes. love no one will save you okay? and he would approve of the ending as well i think i think he would love the ending because it's deep because no one will save you the idea is either referencing the aliens but are they are they referencing the aliens that's very interesting because what has to deal with humanity so anyways that we're almost finished one more film Eric, The Re-Education of Molly Singer, September 29th in theaters and on demand. It stars Britt Robertson. What have you got to say? Is it worth watching in theaters on demand? What do you think? Uh, uh, maybe. Uh, this is uh, – so basically Jamie, Priest, Jamie Priestley. Presley. Who, Presley. Presley. Yeah. Presley. Jesus Christ, Eric. Anyway, Jamie Presley, she's uh, her son played by Britt Robertson, uh, her a star football player, and he's persona non grata, and she hires uh, – Oh, I'm sorry. She hires Brit, her son, played by Ty Simpkins, is persona non grata. She hires her uh, employee, Britt Robertson, to go to his college and make him popular again. It's kind of a silly college comedy. This would be one of those watch the watch the trailer if it seems like something you'd be into. This is a pretty decent version of that kind of flick. But I know with our audience, probably probably won't get a lot of people interested in it. Well, but what's the audience for this movie? If you like American Pie, 
It's one of those kind of movies. So if you're not into those kind of college comedies, then this probably won't be for you. But I kind of, I kind of fell right into it. Uh, thought it was funny through a lot of it. Seeing Jamie Presley, Presley, not Priestley, and uh, Britt Robertson was really great in it. He's and- always good. Yeah, uh, this was uh, Nico Santos, which played her buddy that was kind of helping her out. I mean, I could spoil it for you, and it wouldn't absolutely would not spoil it for you because it goes exactly where you think it does. But yeah, uh, it says runtime is 120 minutes, a little bit too much on that. Uh, it flew by for me. You know, oh. it, it's just one of those lighthearted cheeseburger type type movies. You're either in for it or you're not, which is probably why this should be a three star banger. Yeah. It, okay. If you're in for this kind of comedy, I think you'll dig it. If not, it's not, you know, it's not going to reinvent the wheel. I don't think it's really trying to just a lighthearted comedy, really. That is the reeducation of Molly Singer starring Jamie Priestley or Presley. This is a free country. You can pronounce sure. Presley or Priestley however you want. And you can, inv- you can pronounce Jamie Jaime. Who knows? Britt Robertson's also in it, like Ty Simpkins. Eric, Eric, what is, uh, so you loved it. And, and, you know, directed by Andy Palmer. And this is a, Three star banger, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Three star banger for Eric Holmes, very good. And then, like you said, you're going to be interviewing the director tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah. it clearly got a sense of humor. He made this movie, so uh, okay. we'll see how that goes. Well, ask ask the director if, what he thought of No One Will Save You. Where we we need that No One Will Save You <laughs> army on that. Okay, for the reeducation. Oh, I almost got hired to direct that, but they wanted me to do this <laughs> instead. All right, well, maybe that worked out. And finally, before we go, other movies opening September 29th. I will take the first one, Eric Holmes, The Creator, right. Tenet Star. Tenet, by the way, Bruce Perky loves it so much. Tenet Star, John David Washington is an ex-Special Forces agent. He is grieving over his wife's disappearance. His wife is played by Gemma Chan. His mission is to kill hunt and kill this person called not person this ai force called the creator the creator has the power to pretty much destroy humanity destroy the earth destroy the universe who knows but this ai has taken the shape of this really cute little young child played by univoils and of course tenet star john david washington can't can't kill a kid right (laughs) you can't kill a kid so that is the premise behind the creator it is directed by gareth edwards and it's getting a lot of great reviews he, Gareth, Gareth Edwards directed Rogue One. What's the next movie, Eric? Uh, next one is Muzzle. Aaron Eckhart is Jake, an LAPD canine officer whose canine partner Ace is shot dead. I'm out. Dead dog. You can't do that. Uh, he teams up with Socks, another canine with titanium scissors and a mysterious past. Wait, did I read that right? Yep. You Jake did. And so- Jake and the dog. He teams up dog. with Socks, another canine with titanium scissors and a mysterious past. Jake and Socks attempt to find the shooter who took Ace's life in theaters and everywhere you rent movies September 29th. I have no idea what I just read there, but uh, I, I want to see uh, Socks go around. <laughs> Is this like a canine revenge movie? Yes. You it's, my- a, it's a canine revenge movie. Come on. We completely missed the boat on muzzle. Finally. Oh, and, one- sp- and speaking of Socks, next I- up, uh, Greg is going to read about Socks. So wow, very good. <laughs> Rimshot Saw X. Tobin Bell play returns as John Kramer. I I did a first Saw junket. I've seen Saw, but Saw X. I uh, saw ten. Tobin Bell. He's returning as John Kramer. This thing is set between the events of Saw One and Saw Two, and because John Kramer he takes seeks vengeance against the people who were he thought he was going to Mexico for a cure all for his cancer, but. They swindled him, so now he's turning the tables. The tables have turned, and he's going to do his whole morality uh, horror game against his the, these very horrible perpetrators. So that is the premise of Saw X, and it's directed by Kevin Grutert. I believe Grutert is the name. He's the director behind Saw 6 and Saw 3D. Bruce and Eric, before we go, are you any of you fans of the franchise? If so, are you guys going to eventually see Saw Socks or Saw 10? I did like the Saw movies. He used to watch all of them. I think uh, Jack Fitzpatrick likes them a lot. I'd be kind of curious to see what he thinks of the new one. I uh, I like Spiral, but the Saws before that kind of fell off on it a little bit. Okay, Bruce, you, do you watch all the Saw movies? Are you a Saw person? Do you, do you uh, in a room, do people talk to you and then you kind of have to cut things off? What, what do you do? What do you do on the Saw stuff? I've, I've watched the Saw movies. I've enjoyed them sort of and... <laughs> They go right on my head. They're kind of just, they're kind of like the Final Destination movies. They're just, they're, they're fine. They're popcorn. Okay. 
Okay. They go right out of really your head. Really bloody popcorn. Goes right out of your head, just like everything I tr- I try to tell you and Eric, right? Out, right, one in or out the other, right? Correct? Is that? Yep. N- everything you say to me is like the silver ball and phantasm just <laughs> drills into my head and shoots the bullet out the other side. I love the phantasm sh- shout out. Did you know back in the day I actually interviewed the cast of Phantasm? You know, that, that, was, not, that was a great day. Great day for me. Right. Have you seen all the Phantasm movies, no. Eric? How dare no. you? Bruce, you have. I know. You're, you're a Phantasm person, aren't you, Bruce? Yeah, I like Phantasm. And what was the other movie we saw that he made before that? I Benny, forgot that movie. Benny and Company. Yes. That is, that is a cla- <laughs> isn't that a classic movie? Yes. Come on. That is a classic movie. Okay, so we're done. This is it. Uh, episode 209 of Cinematics. We're done. Look at it split. Final thoughts from Eric Holmes? Uh, yeah, more on the Film Vault game coming soon. And What's the Film Vault? I never heard like- of the Film Vault. What's the Film Vault? Uh, it's a it's a really good podcast. You oh, should okay. check it out. Very, very uh, great guy, Anderson and Brian and Avery, and producer Avery, producer Avery. They they talk about movies. Mitch Burns? And yeah, uh, the Mitch Burns. But yeah, more more to come on that soon. And if anyone would like to play it, hit me up because we will be doing a lot of playthroughs coming in the coming months. Hit up Eric Holmes on his Twitter or his email hamslime at gmail.com. We will be back next week for a what's in the box for Bruce Perky. Are you doing a what's in the box right now before we go? Did I forget? Oh, I keep forgetting. It's not a bit. I keep forgetting. Shake, shake, <laughs> shake. What comes out? Really uh, quick. Shake that booty. Uh, yes. Shake yeah, that I'm shaking booty. shaking my booty for you. I've done that already. <laughs> didn't appreciate oh, it. Oh, we forgot the musical oh. interlude for Peter Beta. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Sorry, Pete. Yeah, your piece retroactively. But wait, wait. what are you talking about? Everyone heard it. Everyone heard it already. Everyone heard the beat. Everyone heard the beat. Turn the beat around. What, what's the What's the movie, Bruce? It's Playtime by Jacques Tati. Jacques Tati. That sounds like a Joseph Bridges or Matt Stillman pick. Who pick? Can you, can, Bruce? Can you do me a favor? Can, you know, I know you watch ten hundred movies every single week. When someone puts a movie, put the name. Like I do. Like, you do? They, no one, no one suggested that one. I heard it uh, like on a, another. I think I might have heard it on the um, Joe Dante pod. Joe Dante, yes. Uh, Joe Dan- yes. Okay, so, so no one that. I, I have, I have one. The Black Dahlia, Black Director well, no, Brian De Palma. I've seen it. I'm not okay. watching that again. Ed starring Matt LeBlanc. Can you put that in? <laughs> Ed starring Matt LeBlanc. Listeners, if you want to actually request a movie for Bruce to put in the What's in the Box segment, please email bruceperky at gmail or hit us up on Cinemax Facebook group. There, we cover so many movies. To be honest, every single week, it's like a big wash. They're trying to hold on to Rebel. I'm still trying to hold on to Our Father the Devil. A lot of that stuff will be housed on our findyourfilms.com website. Check that out. That will have a repository of our past episodes. Eric Holmes has a, a very deep thought before we get out of here. Yeah. Yes, Eric Holmes. Well, you said Ed, and then I started thinking about the uh, the reviewing movies on Shrooms. I want to do... Dark City and Ed. <laughs> okay, you do that, then we're going to lose a third host for cine- cinematics. There will be job openings in about you. You will get paid negative five hundred dollars every single month. So make sure Eric Holmes. He he's rest in peace. I, do, I, I might just do that on my free time. <laughs> on your free time, more. I, your- I won't even. I won't even hit record. My brother will <laughs> just come. Eric, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Doing a podcast. Why are you in the bathroom? Oh no, I'm scared. And you know what? We're going to keep on the Rebel the rebel bandwagon because I'm going to find, I'll do a letter, very quick rewind on Rebel. Final thoughts, Bruce Berkey, you, any couple of things before you go? The only thing I would suggest is Eric should actually watch Ed and Dark City on shrooms, but he should have them superimposed over each other playing at the same time. <laughs> very, very, very good. Do it. And as, as before, as we usually do on a, a weekly basis, here's Claire. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.